0: third win against the top ten and the orange had them all the way they didn't look into your heart they didn't look into your heart they didn't look into my heart a three for the win battle boom it's the orange do it again the cardiac juice comes through
1: on the road one more time this is orange nation with Stephen fonti and
2: seth goldberg
1: Good afternoon, everyone. Glad to have you with us. Alongside Seth Goldberg, I'm Stephen Fonte. Thursday edition of Orange Nation, we are brought to you in part by Duntire. 315-437-7644. Want to hear from you on SU Basketball. The Orange losing for the first time in conference play last night, going on the road to winston Winston-Salem, North Carolina, falling at Wake Forest 73-67. We do have two guests lined up for you today. Uh, Danny Shays will join us at the top of the hour. We'll have uh, Danny at 1 o'clock every Thursday throughout the rest of the college basketball season. And I caught up with Eric for a short time ago over at the Mellow Center. It's the return of the... Orange Nation television show tonight over at the Marriott Syracuse downtown. No Jerry McNamara this week, but we did have Eric Devendorf filling in. We'll get to that interview at some point throughout the show. And again, your phone calls welcome at any time. And and Seth, if if you're an SU fan that's frustrated slash disappointed with the outcome last night, uh, I got news for you. We're going to see a lot of these games this season. we are. The way this team plays, a lot of these games are going to come down to the wire. Against average teams, against really good teams, against not-so-good teams, they are going to play a a lot, a majority of close games as this season moves along. And you're not going to win all of them. And last night was a case that the game was tied with two minutes to go, and you look at those final two minutes— Tyus Battle misses a wide-open three. Tyus Battle misses the front end of a one and one Tyus Battle commits a turnover. Frank Howard misses a tough shot going to the basket. Frank Howard commits a turnover. Wake Forest makes plays at the other end, made a few baskets, made free throws, and you lose the game. And if you make those shots, maybe it's a different story. They didn't last night. During non-conference play, by and large, they did make the key shots. By and large, they got the key stop. By and large, they made free throws. Last night, it didn't happen and it's no surprise they lost the game.
3: Right, yeah. The the defense wasn't up to par to start the game, right? The, the defense did not play all that well at the start of the game. They did not rebound as well as they had been rebounding, and in fact, they were out-rebounded for the first time this season, uh, which is a surprise because Wake Forest is not a very good rebounding team. Uh, but they did a great job last night against SU on the boards, and you know when you combine that with the fact that this just isn't a very good offensive team, uh, Syracuse is going to struggle and they've got to get back to defense. They've got to get back to rebounding. Uh, that's the way that this team will win. And there's nothing more that you can do about it because this team doesn't have enough offensive weapons. They've only got three. And, uh, you know, last night, two of them weren't very good. And one of them, all they did, all Frank Howard did was score. Right. So, uh, you know, it's, it's not like you've got dynamic offensive players on this team, um, that you could just say, oh, okay, well, our, our, our rebounding is just, you know, a little bit worse than it normally is. We'll make up for it. No, you you won't make up for it. And, and that's what we saw last night, right? If Tyus Battle had an average game offensively, they win. Uh, if the rebounding is just slightly off of where it had been throughout the course of the year and not the worst rebounding game of the season, they probably win. Um, but it wasn't. Right. And and enough things went against Syracuse that they lost.
1: Syracuse is going to struggle with teams that can shoot the three and with teams that have size. And Wake Forest had both. And we said yesterday, you know, know your personnel, and you look at the scouting report, Brian Crawford of the outside shooters, well, he's the guy that's going to hurt you the least from three-point range, or so we thought. Right. And then last night he steps up, he goes four for nine, which, again, is not his game. He's essentially, he's a shade better than 30% from three-point range. And last night he goes four for nine and, and hit a couple of really big shots there in the second half. You mentioned the rebounding numbers. Wake Forest plus nine on the glass. First time all season, SU got out, rebounded. The Orange only had six offense. Of rebounds, which again, not their game. They're used to getting essentially forty percent of their misses on the offensive end. That didn't happen last night. And, and you go back to to also what you said about you know if Tyus Battle has an average game, they probably win. You look at the big three in general of of Howard, Brissett, and Battle. If we were grading these guys, what grade would we give them for their game last night? I'd probably put Howard. At an A minus or a B plus, I can't give him an A because he, he had five yeah, turnovers, had a key turnover late. Um, he he did play well, obviously. He shot the shot the basketball very well. Brissett probably gets a B. He missed a lot of shots, but you know he was solid. He, he was 16 steady. 16 and seven. 16 yeah. and seven. That, that's fine. That's I, for him. That's an average game, and that shows you how good he's been. That that's an average game. And, and what do you do with Tyus Battle? I mean. If, if C is like your average. your average game, I mean, he was probably. He was a, yeah, a yeah. C minus, you know, whatever it may be. And, and so when you're big three, you don't have a solid A out of any of your big three. And, you know, and Brissett was, you know, again, a B performance or so, battle below average. You're not going to win a lot of games in the ACC, especially on the road. And they were right there, and there was two minutes to go. And Wake Forest played better in the final two minutes. And, and as I said, Get used to it, SU fans, because this is the way the rest of the season is going to be. Whether you're playing Wake, BC, Georgia Tech, or Duke, Virginia, Louisville, and Miami, by and large, these games are going to go down to the final four or five minutes, and it's who executes better, who makes shots, who right. misses shots in those final few minutes.
3: And last night, that wasn't Syracuse. And and last night, they weren't getting the job done. And, and I think that this goes back to, and, and it made me think, watching that game last night, it just made me think of the conversations we had two weeks ago, right? Of is this really sustainable? Like, is this really doable to play three on five offensively? To 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 hope that all your points are going to come from Frank Howard, Tyus Battle, O'Shea Brissett? Is is that really doable? Like, is that really realistic? And I think that we both kind of sort of wavered, but leaned towards yes. Um, and I still kind of waver, and and you know maybe it's overreacting a bit too much to one game, but I might lean towards no now uh, because look, O'Shea Brissett had an average game and he scored his 16 points, right? And Frank Howard scored his 23, but one of them plays poorly, and you're sunk. See, here's the thing. Um, I actually look at last night's game as
1: as more proof to the fact that that it. It can be sustainable. It's not ideal, okay, obviously. It's not ideal. But I look at last night as, again, it can be sustainable because what does Syracuse do really well? Defend the three, rebound, and those three guys score. They didn't defend the three well. They They didn't didn't rebound, rebound, and those three didn't score. And Ty Battle had an off night, and you are tied with two minutes to go on the road. So, yes, I, I think it is sustainable. Not ideal. I get that. But they know the blueprint, and... They continue to follow the blueprint, and if they do, they're going to win games. Last night, they did not follow the blueprint. Things did not go the way they expected, and they lost what turned out to be a close game. That game but came I, down to I realized it was a six point spread. It yeah. essentially came down to battle misses a, a three and a one an open one. three. Yeah. Well, that possession. He misses an open 3. It's a long rebound which leads to a run out for Wake Forest. They get a layup. That's a 5-point swing. Yep. That was the game. That's it. And and you know obviously they they missed a couple shots down the stretch. I get that. But it was essentially one possession as you missed a shot, Wake, you know, took advantage, made a basket and that ultimately turned out to be the difference so yes it is sustainable because if that shot goes in from battle who knows how the next you know minute 40 plays out
3: well and and here's what i would say to that and we we talk about rebounding in defense and we saw it so often through the non-conference we saw it really every game through the non-conference schedule even in the two losses and we saw it against virginia tech in that first game of the acc play that went away and sure, you're still in it, but like I, I think that it, it shows just how fragile the margin for error is with the way this team is constructed. Because you've only got those three guys. If everything's not clicking offensive, or if everything's not clicking defensively, your offense has to pick up the slack. And I just don't think, and and I've I've seen no proof. To, to tell me otherwise, that this team can pick up the slack offensively. And, and that's kind of what I took away from last night's game. Sure, they scored 67 points, uh, but if Ty's battle you know, isn't going to be Ty's battle uh, night in, night out, you're going to struggle to score, Bro, right? We, and, we and, saw this. and that happened at times, not just last night, but it, it's happened a lot in this season where the offense is stagnant. The offense isn't moving. And and if Tyus is good, if Tyus is bad, it doesn't matter. But last night, it just so happened that he was bad.
1: We saw this at Georgetown, right, where Tyus Battle was off. Tyus Battle missed 15 shots yes. at Georgetown. O'Shea Brissett got hot from the outside. Last night, it happened to be Frank Howard. But Brissett goes off, keeps him in the game. Last night, Frank Howard goes off, keeps him in the game. And then Battle, of course, got hot down the stretch against Georgetown. And you thought it was going to happen again last night. Battle hit that, that open three that he got. And you're like late oh, okay, in the game, hit a and you're thinking, shots. "All right, you know, when push comes to shove, he's going to step up and hit the big shots." And he didn't last night. And again, you can't expect him to make every big shot. It didn't happen. They lose the game. And you're right; there is a a thin margin for error for this team, especially on the offensive end. They were right in that game last night with a lot of things going wrong. So again, not ideal to to rely on three guys and and play three on five on the offensive end. I get that, but. Can they win games? Can they win enough games in the ACC playing like that? Again, not ideal, but I think they can.
3: Here's the other thing that stood out to me: Can they win enough games? Uh, I don't know. Maybe, maybe not. Uh, you beat Notre Dame this weekend. Okay. Uh, the thing that stuck stuck out to me last week, last night: you got 15 minutes and three rebounds from your bench, and that's everything that your bench contributed. I mean, that's not enough. That's not enough. You not know? enough. And, and and I know that the bench is short, and they played Barama Sidibe, and, and we could question that uh, forever, uh, because I, I don't know why you would play him for three minutes and burn a redshirt for the year. Uh, but you play him for three minutes, you play Howard Washington for three minutes, and you play Marek Dolajai, who I thought was coming off a very good game against Virginia Tech, for nine minutes. Uh, and all you get out of them is, is, is three rebounds, and is that a product of not playing much? Is that a product of... You know, being out of the flow of the game, I don't know, but you need more out of that group than that.
1: We can certainly talk about the Barama Sidibe situation as, as the show moves along. I, I will say this. It's not like this is the last game of the season. There's a lot of basketball to be played. They've obviously made the decision that he's good enough to play. Uh, Jim Beham referenced it afterwards. He was asked about it in the post-game press conference. He said he doesn't want a red shirt. I don't red shirt guys who don't want a red shirt. He wants to play. We feel like we can get him ready enough to play. I did ask Eric Dievendorf about that earlier today and we'll hear uh, Eric's response as the show moves along. But again, uh, no Medical redshirt for Barama Sidibe. They, they will try to play him as often as he can play uh, as the, sure. the season moves along. Three one five Let's go to the phone lines. Uh, Joe in Syracuse kicking us off today on Orange Nation. Hey, Joe.
0: Guys, two quick points that I'll hang up and listen to what you have to say. I think that you guys have said, you know, the most important thing, but there, there's kind of a direct correlation here. Listen, if Tyus Battle struggles, we're not going to win many games. and. To add to that, if Tile Ty, if Tyus Battle struggles against big teams like a seven foot one center that can pretty much negate uh, Chuku inside, we, we don't have enough inside presence to score. Dozier is a scrapper. We all know how this this team's MO. It's been you know 15 games or whatever. We know this team's on all. If Tyus Battle struggles against bad teams, we will go oh and for whatever it is. I do not think that we can beat a team like Duke. Like Carolina, these teams that are six foot ten, six foot 11 big men, teams we take advantage of with like Eastern Michigan that their biggest player was six, eight, we can beat because it negates you know the, the, the length and, and size of the zone. But I think that if highest battle struggles, we're gonna struggle, and you know, very important. But also, and I'll hang up after I make this point, I want to hear your opinion on it, um, guys, but I think that last night was also very alarming. Here's why. Frank Howard played arguably his best game at point guard for Syracuse last night. He shot the ball well. He made good decisions with the ball. Of course, he made some poor decisions, but he was dropping the ball off for layups. He was playing really well, and we still lost. And I I think that when, when Frank Howard plays well and, you know, we get an average game out of Tyus, we'll win games. But even with Frank Howard playing as good as he did last night, all the all the turmoil that that kid gets. He's not a point guard. He's not this. He's not that. He's not reliable. Um, I, I think that last night he proved that he can play well, but we just, you know, it's scary that he can play so good and we can lose. Uh, so poorly, so I want to hear you guys' opinions. i hang up.
1: Thanks for taking my call. Appreciate you you checking in, Joe. I'll go back to the, the grading system that we started the show with. If you get a B effort or better out of those three guys, you're probably going to win. You're probably going to win that game. I mean, you're probably not going to beat Virginia or Duke, but will you beat Wake Forest on the road? Yes. yes. It was a case last night, no doubt. Joe Frank Howard played very well. Had you know a couple too many turnovers that, or more turnovers than you yeah. would like. Finished with six turnovers. I get that. That's going to come with having the ball in your hands a lot. Um, had a bad turnover at the very end. And and again, it he he's going to make mistakes here and there. And look, he they, played very well. Shot the yeah. ball very well. W- was able to set up his teammates. He played very well. Uh, Ty's battle did not, and again, it was an uncharacteristic game for Battle. He missed open shots. He committed turnovers. He got in foul trouble. He was just he was out of rhythm all night long. He picked up his fourth foul. You know, not even midway through the second half, had to sit for a few minutes, and then he's you know that's got to be weighing on his mind the rest of the game. Uh, you know, the the leak out where Wake Forest takes the lead after he misses the basket. He was the closest guy. He just he couldn't do anything yet four right. fouls so he can't contest he can't it it changes the way you play even even on the offensive end it, it takes away some of your aggressiveness he he had an uncharacteristically poor game and when that happens when your best player does not play well in the ACC you're going to lose I mean North Carolina got 28 points last night from Joel Berry Still and lost. lost at Florida State right. so this league is tough it's tough to win on the road and when your best player doesn't play well. You're not going to win too many games.
3: Yeah, can I can I say this about Frank Howard? And I don't mean this as an indictment on Frank Howard. I thought he played a pretty good game last night. He he's been shooting the ball incredibly well, Uh, better than I ever could have imagined he would ever shoot the ball over this what three four game stretch. Um, this five is more, game stretch. Five now. game stretch. Okay. Uh, this is a, more a comment on the offense as a whole, and, and take it how you will. There's too much stagnation, and there's not enough ball movement. And I don't know if that's because of Frank Howard, and and if I'm going to place pin that on him because he's the guy who brings the ball up, uh, or if it's because of Tyus Battle, or if it's because of O'Shea Brissett. I I don't know. Uh, but it doesn't feel like there's enough movement. And we talk about why is this offense so bad in the half court and why can't they score any half court points and why do they struggle so much? And it's just like you watch them and they don't move. And there's a lot of dribbling and there's a lot of taking the air out of the ball and something's got to change. And I don't mean this as a slap in the face to Frank Howard. I really don't. Uh, Because again, he was the only one having a good game offensively last night. He played well last night. Uh, but it, doesn't it feel like something's got to change? It's interesting because Jim Baham was asked about that, in a way, after the
1: game last night, about the assist. The they number only had of assists. nine, had assists, had nine last assists last night. Nine assists and 21 night. baskets, and he said, well, well, that's not really our game. We, we tend to go to the, the dribble drive, and we want to get to the basket. We want to create our own shots and, and, and score off of, of penetration. Wake Forest obviously did it a different way last night. 20 assists for Wake Forest on 25 made baskets. They were moving the ball with the pass. Setting each other up. This team again—it's—it's the way that this Syracuse team plays, and I understand what you're saying. Right, but like
3: it's not working. Well, you know, like there there are issues with it.
1: You just said it a few minutes ago, though. You said they're playing three on five. Like, what what do you want to have happen? Because when you go up against good teams, and they know that, well, we don't really need to guard. Merrick Dolajai, or we don't really need to guard Matthew Moyer when he has the ball. Yeah, we got to box him out, but we don't need to guard him 15 feet away. We don't need to guard. I mean, Pascal Chukwu took a foul line jumper last night. I'm you thinking get, to myself, right. what, what is he doing? You don't need to guard Pascal. I Chukwu thought going to get pulled 15 feet away for who? though? Pull- like that's Right. It, so my point is, like you, you say it's not working. Well, it it kind of has to work, Seth, because right. Wh- like, what are you going to do? I that,
3: don't know. Can you do a pick and roll with O'Shea Brissett? Can you can you mo- try just make a, a, a conscious effort to drive and kick instead of trying to finish over people that you're not able to finish over? I, I just I, I don't know what it is, but it feels like there's got to be some kind of a change. Can they can they drive and kick to get Tyus Battle and O'Shea Brissett better three point looks? But again,
1: if you're a quality team and a quality defense, Highest battles, not getting looks, whether he has the ball or doesn't have. The, right, I mean you. Right, it's going to be don't let this guy get an open right. look. So, especially when you have two guys on the floor at all times that you essentially don't need to guard or stay with closely. Right, you can shade toward whoever the shooter is, or we don't want Brissett or battles. So right, it's. It, it is. It's a difficult situation because they are not balanced on offense. So, is it sustainable? Again, it's not ideal. I think it is. I think if they score sixty five, but they scored sixty seven last night, you should hold Wake Forest below sixty five. Sure, they didn't. They did not defend the three well last night. They did not rebound well, and, and Wake Forest took advantage. And they, they didn't play well down the stretch. So, I don't know. I, I guess we look at last night differently, or or look at the offense as a whole. Like you say, something needs to change. I. I, think I don't it's know just, what
3: can change, I think but it's it just feels like, like something's got to.
1: It is what it is. Like This is what this team yes. is on the offensive end. right? And if they're going to win games, it's going to be with defense and rebounding and making shots when they need to. We do need to take our first time out. If you're on hold, stay on hold. Back after this on Orange Nation.
4: Every Monday,
1: Syracuse assistant
4: Adrian Autry talks X's and O's with Orange Nation. Brought to you by Ferrone and Son Funeral Home. On the pulse of the orange, ESPN Radio 97.7 and 100.1.
1: Live from the dboffers.com, powered by Drivers Village Studio.
4: This is ESPN Radio.
2: 97.7 FM, Syracuse.
4: And 100.1 FM, Oswego. Live from Armory Square.
2: This is Orange Nation
0: with Stephen Fonte at Seth Goldberg.
1: Stephen, Seth, back with you on a Thursday edition of Orange Nation. We are powered by Driver's Village, 315-437-7644. Taking your calls on SU Basketball, Orange Falling, on the road last night at Wake Force, seventy-three, sixty-seven. SU now 12-3 and overall, 1-1 and in conference play with Notre Dame set to come to town, uh, minus Bonzi Colson on Saturday. Back to the phone lines we go. John in Syracuse up next on Orange Nation. Thanks for waiting, John. How are you today?
4: Doing good. Good afternoon, guys. Please stop saying they're playing three on five. I really, really dislike that analogy, I guess, but... uh but aren't they I, I, I think uh, well my reason for that is and first of all I think Frank Howard played his best game against Virginia Tech anyways uh, three and five Syracuse has got Frank Howard Tyus battle and O'Shea Brissett, Uh three guys that can dribble drive three guys that can shoot the three three guys that can play mid-range offensive basketball I think any coach in America would be very happy with that combination what Syracuse is lacking what they've lacked in the past few years is a dependable big man under the basket that can catch the basketball and move people out of the way. We're missing that. Our bench is not deep, but when you say three on five, I assure you there are many coaches that have an offensive directive on their teams. Three guys, you know, triangle offense or whatever. Three guys are going to do the bulk of the scoring. The other two guys on the court need to play defense, work on their spacing, work on the rebounding, etc. So, I think Coach Beheim is probably very happy with his offensive talent. He might want one more person out there that could catch the basketball under the basket, but I think that's our biggest weakness right now. Obviously, foul trouble hurt us last night. So that's probably going to be our biggest bugaboo going down the road is a big guy under the basket and foul trouble. Other than that, I think the team is solid. They hustle. They play hard. And I think they're all intelligent basketball players. What do you guys think?
1: Well, and we always appreciate the call, John. Thank you for checking in. Um when we say three on five, the the way that I look at it is, you you don't have to defend two guys on the floor all that closely, right? No, like not wait, at all. Like wait for us last night, okay? For instance, let's let's just take last night's opponent. They have four guys on their roster that are hitting thirty nine percent of their threes or better. Right. Their best player, their leading scorer comes off the bench, and last night he got hurt and only played a few minutes, and, and we didn't get to see him. Plus, they've got two seven-footers down low. You have to pay attention to everyone they they have out there. Notre Dame's another one of these teams, again, coming in on Saturday. Virginia Tech was like that, where, again, they could put four shooters around the perimeter. You, you need to be aware of everyone. Do you need to be aware of Marek Doligaj twenty feet from the basket? No. Do you need to be aware of Pascal Chukwu fifteen feet and out, or no. ten feet and out for that matter? Again, seven is, feet and out. This is I'm not knocking their games. That's I mean, just they, what it is. They bring something to the table. Obviously, Matthew Moyer brings something to the table. He he made a couple of shots against UConn um, from the outside. It, is he a three point shooter? No. You don't have to guard him twenty feet and out. So, so yeah, they've got three guys that that can can shoot the three, that can get by you, that can score at all three but you levels. Need as they need something
3: say. else, and and I I think that's what both of us are saying, and and we've said this, I've said this a couple of times. Wouldn't it be great if Marek Dolgaj and Matthew Moyer could at least stand in the corner and be a threat to hit thirty percent of their threes? 28%, like, you know, whatever the number is to at least make them a threat so that somebody's got to sag over that way towards the corner and it opens something up down low. Because right now, you've got three guys who, let's face it, their their greatest strength, Frank Howard, Dice Battle, and O'Shea Brissett, sure they can shoot the three, they can shoot the range. Their greatest strength is getting to the basket, and right now you're clogging up the lane and clogging up the basket with uh, Pascal Chukwu and Matthew Moyer, and it just makes it harder for them to get there.
1: And we know that Syracuse loves to run the pick-and-roll game. When you have guys that you don't need to pay attention to that far from the basket, that makes it easy. It's an easy decision for the defense. What do they do with the pick-and-roll? Well, the, the big guy jumps out and, and, and shows, and it's right. a, a quick double team, and you either stay with the double team or then he can retreat when your defender recovers. They, they don't have to... Pascal Chuku, 20 feet from the basket, cannot keep the defense honest, right? No. Because he's he's not going to do that's anything why, with the basketball. That's Merit why I Dolezal, suggested Jai, earlier, Moore, They're not going to do anything with the basketball, right. And and Frank Howard and Tyus Battle are not going to work a pick-and-roll game together. You don't do that with guards. So yeah, maybe Brissett is an option to do that. And, and I'm sure that, again, Jim Boeheim's been doing this long enough. The coaches on that staff, they obviously know what they're doing. That's something I'm sure that they're looking into.
3: There is one team I can think of that does it with guards. Golden State Warriors.
1: Okay, well they're all guards <laughs> for the most part. That's that's why they do that. Right. But again, like this is not a knock on, you know, Matthew Moore no, as a player or Merrick Dolegaj as a player. They just they have certain strengths and weaknesses, and scoring from the outside is is not their strength. How many times last year, Seth? And I know that we weren't working together every day last year, but I'm, I'm sure you were here and around here enough to know how often did I say, "If only Tyler Roberson could make a 15 foot yes. jumper." That's what I. Both of us, I think, were saying that for the four years that he was here. All of Orange Nation was saying that. If he could have made, if if at some point over four years, if he had developed a fifteen foot jumper, a consistent fifteen foot jumper, how difficult would he have been to defend? Because he was a beast
3: on the glass, and he was jumpy and springy, and he could he he was like Matthew Moyer, right? If Matthew Moore can can, can get a consistent 15-foot jumper, it doesn't even have to be the quarter three, just a 15-foot jumper to get him a little bit away from the basket so that, yeah, he can make that springy, bouncy, attacking, hating rims kind of a play and and, and cut behind the the defense when they're not looking at you and he could get that open dunk. But, oh, by the way, he can also move out and be a threat so that when you know, Frank Howard goes to drive. The, there aren't three defenders there. Maybe there are only two and a half. So, again, I understand
1: what John is saying, and I'm sorry if we offended him with that term. Again, not a knock on the players, but I think it's safe to say, and I'm, I'm not going to back down from this, and I'm sure you won't either, Seth. I'm not going to back down from the fact that this offense is limited. Like The, the, the coaches will admit that. The players will admit that. Yes, they've got three guys who are very good and can score on all three levels. Um, but they are limited to some degree. They are not going to score 80 points on a regular basis. They may not score 80 points times, the rest of the way. They
3: scored 83 times over 15 games. Just to And we may not see it the rest
1: there. of the way. Maybe we will. You know, Maybe they'll shoot the ball really well on a given night. This team is going to win games in the 60s and maybe in the low 70s. But if you get up 75 and up and, and try to outscore somebody, it's gonna probably lose. not going to go very well for you.
3: Uh, do we want to get a couple t- uh, Facebook comments before we sure take why a break? Not. All right, uh, we got Dave telling us everything they did was out of whack last night. Marek not playing much. Sidibe coming in for no value. Tyus with his crazy shot near the end on the baseline. Brissett missing his guy on the wing for threes. Uh, and I don't think Howard played great. He scored, but have the but had the ball back. Uh, gave the ball back. Sorry, too many times. Ugly. I don't disagree with that assessment. Of most of that stuff?
1: I, I thought Frank was I was Frank confused. Merrick well. didn't
3: play more. Yeah. Sadibe, I didn't understand him playing. Tyus was off all night. Brissett didn't play very good defense. I thought Frank was good. I, I thought he struggled uh, with turnovers. I thought there was some, some head scratching. Uh, the one that bothers me that that goes down that doesn't go down as anything and, and nobody would have any idea that it happens is like him taking the jumper five seconds into the shot clock. Like, I, I don't know. That just bothers me. Are you referring to the
1: shot with under two minutes ago when he? No, just he forced in, I mean it just happens in general. Okay. No, it,
3: it it'll just happen in general where you'll think. But a, you liked it against uh, Buffalo when sure. he he buried the three exactly. in the first five seconds of the shot clock. But that's the shot that I'm talking about where it's like no, 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 and then he makes it. But- I'm telling you, he is
1: the present day scoop jardine. He is. He does things that you you love it, and then, you know, the next possession you're like the the right. head scratching turnover at the end. You know, he gets double teamed. He tried to throw it over his shoulder. It was a weak pass, gets stolen, and then, you know, Brissett commits the the intentional foul. And again, the game was probably over at that point anyway, but um if you had any chance you had to score on that possession yeah. and and um and, and it didn't work out. Um he commits an extra turnover or two per game that you would like. I mean you yeah, you, 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 you would love back. him to, to but when you're aggressive and you got the ball in your hands that much and you're playing 40 minutes it, it happens. It, it, you, yes, you're going to you're going to commit turnovers. Had 6 last night. I'm sure you, you know the coaches would prefer that number is more like 3 or 4. But you and live the this number is
3: higher than five when he's
1: shooting 55 percent from three over the last five games it's hard to point to him and say yes you know oh, he, he's the reason he's he's getting better he's obviously shooting the ball extremely well right now um and again his decision making and and playing the point guard position on a regular basis it's a work in progress yeah. and he's only midway through his junior year so you still have another year and a half of them uh three one five four three seven seventy six forty four. Foul lines remain open. We'll take our next time out. Keep it here. Orange Nation rolls out right after this on ESPN Radio. Live from the dboffers.com, powered by Drivers Village Studio.
0: This is
4: ESPN Radio.
1: 97.7 FM, Syracuse.
4: And 100.1 FM, Oswego. Our take on the day's top stories. It's today's business on Orange Nation. Brought
1: to you every day by Grossman St. Amore CPAs. Before we get to today's business uh, with Max, um, I do need to end this debate, Seth, about the whether or not oh, you got things an can you got an melt when the temperature is below yeah. 32 degrees. So I asked both Jim Teske and Dave Longley via text message. They both said essentially the same thing. The short answer is no. Oh, um, if I told you add you. salt to it, if you add some other melting agent, obviously the it can sun? happen. Um, the sun, they said. it I would count that as a melting if agent. If it's snowing and it's very sunny, it may evaporate before it hits the ground, but the actual snow on the ground will not melt. Okay, things will not melt if it's below thirty-two degrees. I actually right. have a, a real-life example of this just happened. Last weekend, my, my wife went to the car wash, the personal car wash, right? The one you do it yourself, you get that water gun, you know, you spray up the car. That doesn't do it yourself. sound fun right now. So she thought she was doing a good thing, wanted to, to clean the car, surprised me. That I appreciate that. Very nice. Uh, she thought the water inside the gun was warm. She thought she would clean the car, everything would be fine. I think you know where this is going. It was like five degrees outside. So yes, she got the salt off the car, cleaned the car. Uh, she also encased it in a sheet of ice so how'd she get back in her heart was in the right place um i, I don't know I, we did not discuss it the i, I laughed melted. her and the that ice was o- about it
3: the ice obviously didn't melt
1: exactly it did not melt because Unless it was you below put more 32 salt on the car you cannot melt things below 32 degrees You're so we'll about that one later steve um, and that should be my job anyway so i appreciate <laughs> the fact her heart was in the right place appreciate the effort um I'll be washing the car from here on out. Uh, Max, what do you have for us today in today's business?
2: Uh, Joel Berry and Ted Valentine last night. Did you guys see that? No? Okay. Yes. Referee Ted yes. Valentine Ted turned Valentine his back turned on, on his North, North back. Carolina's Joel Berry when he tried to discuss a non-call Wednesday night with a little over seven minutes left. The Tar Heels down by three to Florida State. Berry attempted to grab an outlet pass. Sailing over his head out of bounds, it appeared he was held by Terrence Mann on Florida State as they ran up the court. Barry grabbed the ball, tried to make his case, plead his case against Ted Valentine, uh, who then turned his back on him, refusing to hear Joel Barry's plea. Do we have a problem with the referee turning his back on a four-year collegiate player who approached him during a dead ball timeout?
3: Depends. Was he yelling at him, or was he just like? No, he was, to him. You, he was not. Yeah, did you up see him? Him? No. He I, he literally started
1: not. to approach him. Doesn't even look like he said anything yet. And no. Valentine just turned his back on him. Oh. It, Ted Valentine looked silly. And again, we know that this is kind of his, That's his thing, mo. Isn't it, like, right? He's yeah. very the demonstrative. Teddy Teddy TV he's,
2: or something like that. Yeah, or TV Teddy. Yeah. Right?
1: He's very demonstrative. Like he when he makes a call, he makes a call, and it it looks it looks silly. And there's a way to handle it, and a way not to handle it. And if he didn't want any part of it, you know, Joel Berry comes over, says something, you know, Ted Valentine you know, didn't see it, or you know, not this time, or I, right. I, I don't want it, now, he turned his back on him he looked like he, you know, no, child and no, he, that's then the he crossed his arms
2: and turned his back too, like, yeah, no, yeah. That, that's the wrong answer, it was childish, do, it was, it was showing him up, right, yeah.
1: the referee should not be the story, and when you show up a player like that, now, obviously Max, we're talking about the next day, the referee becomes the story, the referee should never be the story
2: yeah, I think my whole thing is if uh, there's a if it's a freshman doing it and he's irate, maybe, but don't take it to the extent where you cross your arms and turn your back. If it's Joel Berry who's been playing in the ACC for four years, you know who the kid is. I don't think you've ever had a problem with Joel Berry before this. There's no reason to not right. hear a fourth year senior senior's case against what clearly was a foul.
3: Right. No. And 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 look, I, I think that we've heard a lot this year about. NBA players and how they aren't kind of getting love from, uh, they aren't really getting love from the refs. And there have been a lot of issues uh, with the NBA refs and the NBA players. Uh, But with that being said, I don't think we had heard about that at the college ranks quite yet. Um, And if we do hear about this at the college ranks and if this is larger than just one incident, uh, what happens and where does it go from here? Right. Because you're seeing it in the NBA and like the NBA refs are saying, hey, We don't like this, and we want to do something about it. Uh, And the players don't have that luxury in college, right? If the players were unhappy with the refs in the NBA, the union could make a stink. Players don't have that luxury in college. So uh, if they don't like what's going on, the only thing they could do is walk over to them during games. And if they're going to turn their backs on them, and there's, there's a way
1: to, like, if he didn't want to get into a discussion about it, fine, I could see that. But he could just walk away then. He doesn't need to turn his back on him. Right. Right. And I believe the game was going to a time, I think it was a, a TV timeout, if I'm not mistaken. Yeah, it was, it was. It, and so, you know, obviously Joel Berry's got to go to his bench. Valentine can go talk to the other officials or whatever. I mean, he could do anything. But he, you know, again, chose to make it a big deal, chose to make a spectacle of himself. And, um, and and yeah, it's it's unfortunate. It was... It was
2: childish. It, it was. It really, yeah, I agree. Uh, sticking with college basketball, I wanted to get to this funny clip a couple days ago from uh, the DePaul-Georgetown game with Patrick Ewing.
4: Step back, one-legged. What kind of shot is that? Have you ever shot that shot? Do you work on that shot? Win.
2: If I have Patrick Ewing yelling at me, and you have to see his face. I don't know if you guys oh, saw the yeah. clip. Oh, yeah. It's fantastic. I am never, ever even thinking of doing that again my
3: favorite my favorite part of that is the when at the end yeah because it means that patrick ewing said do you work on that shot like knowing full well i watch you in practice and then it means that marcus derrickson was like yeah i do (laughs) (laughs) Like like patrick ewing's like i'm asking you this question i know the answer i know you have never worked on that and he's just like yep i did his, so, his so face is
2: the is the most terrifying face I've ever seen so as a head coach. So in what's, a time your, out. what's your
1: what's your takeaway from this? Because it's obviously something that's gone viral. And I, I'll tell you what my takeaway from this is: like if I'm a kid seeing that, yes, obviously he's an intimidating figure. I kind of like it. I though. did too. I loved it. Like it, that is constructive criticism, right? He didn't go after the kid. He didn't insult the kid. He didn't swear at the kid. No. He made a he made a a good point that. Yeah. Right. Okay. Yeah, I get it. Like, I don't. I should only take shots I practice. I'm a seven yeah, footer who shouldn't I'm be off, shooting fade away off, off my back shot. foot. Yeah, I mean it's like a quarterback who you know throws off his back foot, you know, crosses his body, and it gets picked off. Comes to the sideline. Like, son, do you think that was a good idea to yeah. try to throw it? You know, thirty yards across your body to the other side of the field. And, and you know, then the light bulb goes off. Yeah, okay, yeah. Coach is right. I, I kind of like that. Like, I, I, I think it, it it puts him in a good light as a coach. I think.
2: Yeah, no, it was definitely a positive thing for Patrick Ewing. I just can't get over the face. That oh
3: yeah, it was watch the video. Horrifying. He is, he
2: is an angry person. That would honestly make me shell right up and not be able to to play. I would no. I would be terrified. And you he know, he was angry. Marcus Derrickson played a great game after that. I think he scored like 15 points in the ninety eight victory. shooting off his
3: back. Court, right. That's good coaching. <laughs> yeah.
2: Yeah. I just wanted to I touch think, on well, that because that was honestly my favorite audio of the week so yeah. far.
3: It, it, well, that and the Jeopardy clip. What, oh yeah I've, yeah the Jeopardy okay. clip was fantastic, uh, but I, I think that when you look at Patrick Ewing and you know we we kind of talked about this around the game a little bit. Um, I think he's gonna be a really good coach. Like, I think he has that team really well coached, and I thought that was an example of it.
2: Yeah, he's got the big guys playing exceptionally well. So we'll see how it goes moving forward. I know we all harped on how easy their schedule was, but I mean, it'll be interesting to see how they finish in the Big East. They got their first Big East win a couple days ago. Yep. Uh, While we're playing sound clips, though, I have another sound clip today regarding UCF and its athletic director Danny White.
3: I think our kids deserve it, most importantly. We, we played 13 games this year and won them all and,
1: and overcome just an awful lot of adversity with the hurricane and rescheduled games. We lost our bye week. Uh, we got a special group of, of mature kids. They overcome uh, the coaching change adversity and really stayed focused and dialed in. And uh, I don't know any other way to, to, to define our season other than they earned a national championship. They won every single game they played, uh, and I think they should have every opportunity to, to call themselves out.
2: So UCF will hang a banner claiming that they are national champions after they beat Auburn in the Peach Bowl, upsetting them uh, going 13-0. and Only undefeated team in the S.
3: Now, if this wasn't a thing throughout the history of college football, I'd have a problem with it. And and I, I don't like it. Uh, but this is like kind of how college football worked for the better part of 80 years, right? Like you just kind of claimed national titles. So whatever. I don't like it. I think it's dumb. I think it's kind of stupid. Uh beating Yukon and Temple and Austin P doesn't give you a national title, but go for it. Have fun. Wait Do a second. You want. Wait a second.
1: Kind of stupid, Seth. When I saw this story and the headline yesterday when I was at work at Channel 9, I did a double take and I I was like wait wait a second. They're hanging a
3: national championship banner? They're paying out national championship bonuses. They're having a
2: parade as well.
3: They're doing everything. They didn't win the national championship.
2: No, they so, didn't. He's so also Seth, making a case that the AAC or whatever conference they're in should be in a Power Six instead of Power. Oh, five.
3: everybody <laughs> involved in that conference has been trying to do that from day one. Everybody I mean, involved. Can you imagine? And I Sirius, realize this you should is, lay claim to the ACC title because you know what? They beat the ACC champion. This, this year. is
1: a ridiculous example, but. If the New England Patriots said, yeah, we were undefeated until we lost to the Giants in the Super Bowl, we had the best record, so therefore, we're the champions. Like, what?
3: Like I said, it's dumb, and I don't like it. Uh, but also for the better part of eighty years, this is how college football you know decided what, their champions. Yes, but this
2: is not eighty years no, it's of doing the that. not That's the only reason a why, why I'm like. There's a system. There's the only
3: reason why defense, I say this is even remotely acceptable. There was is no because system because this is how they did it. This yeah. is
2: there is a system now. Right, like college football is like we gave you what you want, and you're still doing this. Yeah, no, this is dumb. Very dumb.
1: Very, very dumb, and it's just a bad I, look. Frankly, I, I just, I don't even really understand it, like how they're claiming a national I think title.
2: Part of the reason they're making such a big deal about this is because they lost Scott Frost, and they know that they're probably yes. never going to go undefeated again. Fair, probably ever. Okay. You know- so you know what? So hang make the most banner, of it while you're at the top. Hang a banner
1: that says like undefeated yeah. season or perfect season or like you can recognize it without trying to recognize it as you being the national champs. Like that is totally agree. That, that is an unnecessary step. <laughs> is as there going to be an asterisk?
2: Like it step too like, far. That is
3: yes. That, Will there be an asterisk next to it?
2: just a big like asterisk a, on the banner
3: like have you seen like Texas it A&M sounds like, and then at no, the bottom it's like disclaimer national champs
2: asterisk disclaimer UCF did not actually win the national championship right. I,
3: I hope they put that in that's like the Colts like AFC finalist banner that they yeah, hung up
2: cuz the deflate gate is out No one?
3: they just hung up a, a banner that said they got they got to the AFC championship game they didn't win it they got there I AFC finalist
2: I never understood stuff like that I really didn't
3: it makes dumb. no sense to me. It,
1: it is dumb. That is that is a good way to put it, It is dumb. dumb. You should have just removed the word kind of from your initial statement just of this dumb. is kind of dumb. It is dumb.
3: That's a, that's a good way to end. That was today's business, brought to you by Grossman St. Amor's CPAs. Located in downtown Syracuse, Grossman St. Amore CPAs provides businesses and individuals with tax planning and tax preparation services and strategies to help ma- minimize your tax liabilities. Learn more about how Grossman St. Amor's CPAs can optimize the financial opportunities for your business online at gsacpas.com. You would not want to maximize your tax liabilities. You do want to minimize those.
1: Yes, thank good you save. for sharing that. Uh, you're not as good uh, in uh, science, apparently, as you are in
2: Math. finance. And CPA tax planning.
1: Um, I actually caught up with Eric Devendorf, Seth, as you know, earlier today over at the Mellow Center, we'll play a portion of that interview next. Keep it here. Orange Nation rolls out right after this on ESPN Radio.